And I remember the first night she arrived. So we add a mattress in my bedroom. She was very happy lining on the, on the mattress and said, oh, finally, I have a family now. <laughs> I remember I said that that was the most comfort, comfortable bed I've ever had. Oh, yes. <laughs> Welcome to Entanglement by Snevolution, a grassroots, women-led, migrant-driven film and media arts organization situated on the occupied traditional and ancestral territories of the Hunkaminam-speaking peoples, including the Musqueam and other Coast Salish peoples, also known as Richmond, B.C. My name is Mina Lee. I'm a first-generation immigrant settler hosting this podcast from the unceded territory of the Sunanaimo First Nation, colonially known as Nanaimo on Vancouver Island. Entanglement is a six-episode series on art, culture, and race in today's world. Through intimate conversations with artists, filmmakers, and community organizers, we explore current experiences and perspectives from the Asian diaspora. Today's episode is Am I What I Don't Eat? Eating Disorders, Sisterhood, and Heart. We'll be delving into complex issues of mental health, identity, cultural and physical symptoms, and the healing journey through the heartwarming relationship between the two artists behind the 2005 film Sisters. This episode includes descriptions of eating disorder behaviors and discussions of suicide. Here's an excerpt from the synopsis of the film. In a single apartment in an unnamed city, two sisters are living together. The younger sister, Ping, is struggling with a severe eating disorder. She came to stay with her older sister, Ming, with the hope to save her out of the mental illness that is drowning her life. As Ping continues to struggle with anorexia and bulimia, Ming slowly becomes obsessed with her own looks and begins to identify with her sister. I'm delighted to be with our two guests today, Ying Wang and Jie Wang. Ying is the director, writer, and producer of the film Sisters. Jie, who also goes by Jojo, is Ying's collaborator and the co-writer, actor, and producer for the film. Welcome, Ying and Jojo. Thank you, Inumina and the team and the, at the Simulation uh, that give us this chance to talk about uh, uh, this first film we made together. That was uh, over a decade ago. And um, uh, yeah, and thanks for your interest in this old film. Oh, of course. You say it's old, but it seems like the effects of the film still remain and uh, it's very alive. So it's an honor to have you here. And Ying is also uh, 
the co-founder of Sin Evolution Media Arts Society. So you're very special to us, <laughs> and you're a very uh, important filmmaker. So Ying, we want to know a little more about you. I came to Canada as an international student first, and then became a self-taught filmmaker. <laughs> After I came here, I was accepted in the master program at Asian Studies of UBC, but I didn't like the program,、uh, and I wanted to start a film. So I applied for their film program, but I wasn't accepted. After receiving the rejection letter, I said to myself, "Okay, that's fine. No matter what, you have to make a film in your lifetime." <laughs> So actually, the rejection letter gave me a lot of、uh, motivation. And also, before I came to Canada, I already started interested in the issue about eating disorders, because uh, my Jie,、uh, uh, my younger sister,、uh, she developed uh, uh, this like a severe eating disorder symptom after immigrate. To the United States with my mom, and to reunite、uh, with my father, who actually left us ten、uh, years uh, before. Jie、uh, and my mom immigrated to the United States in 1993, and then in 1996、uh, they came back, and I got to know Jie had this、uh, big problem. So actually, before I I I came here, I wrote a script、uh, about two girls who had this、uh, eating disorder.、Uh, and then、uh, before I could finish the the script, I was、um, ac- accepted by the university, and I got my student visa. And at the end of nineteen ninety six, I also left China,、uh, came here. The idea to make a film about this issue became、uh, something really haunting me to the point that I really I couldn't really focus on any、uh, master program study. I just wanted to make a film, and I wanted to make this film. Yeah,、mm-hmm. I think that's how everything started. Yeah, that's a very special、uh, personal bio and gives so much of、uh, the, uh, the context for our conversation today.、Um, Jojo,、uh, would you like to introduce yourself? I came to U.S. as a <clears throat> basically a clueless kid. I just felt, yeah, there's something fun. I can go to United States. So. After I came here, I just realized life is not as I thought in the U.S.、Um, before I was teenager, I I was a tomboy. I was play with boys and I was climbing trees. Never paid attention to my look and my body. But when I turned to teenager, I start dating a boy, and I start pay attention to my. Body to my look, and after few of the friends and the family made a comment on my tomboy type of looking and never care about my body, it kind of like shocked 
me at that moment. So I start to feel that if I want to keep my boyfriend, I better become a nicer lady looking girl. So I start to try to lose weight. At the beginning, it was a pretty healthy way of losing weight. I cut down a lot of food and do a lot of exercise. Uh, but at that time, I had no idea what eating disorder was until I came to the U.S. Uh, between left country, left family, left my boyfriend, and came to a country with total different culture, and I know nobody. On top of that, uh, my parents went through divorce which I would never, ever thought it would happen in my mind. Uh, that really shocked me. And I started torturing myself. I basically using not eating, um, continue losing weight to torture myself because I have nowhere to let my anger go. And I have nowhere... <clears throat> Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You can slow down. Yeah. It seems like um, your story of uh, departure and arrival and your eating disorder is so much of your identity that I, I'm, I'm really <laughs> appreciating your generosity to um, have that as your introduction and for our conversation. So, yeah, um, you made this film together with those struggles you share as uh, actual family members and collaborators of this film. It's a very compelling story. And uh, as you just briefly shared, it, you know, so much of it actually has your own story. Why did you two want to make this film together? So actually at the beginning, uh, I didn't uh, think uh, I would make this film together with with my sister. Um, but uh, after I came to Canada, I quickly understand the situation. She had been living as an immigrant in a new country. So we wasn't very close before, actually. Uh, and since our childhood, childhood uh, we grow kind of apart uh, because I always feel we, we were so different but actually after came here um, I started talking with her on the phone more often uh, and we started sharing our emotion and our experience living in two countries and then we became very close emotionally. Uh, and then in 1998, I had the first time uh, to visit United States and uh, to visit her. During that time, she, uh, she was living in Boston by herself uh, in a basement. Uh, I remember the night I entered into her place it was uh, very simple. There was, there was just a uh, mattress laying on the floor uh, and the kitchen, the oven, 
was covered by her cooking oil. It was simple and it was very dirty. I didn't、uh, expect that she actually she was living in this kind of、uh, in such a environment in such a situation. And I I cried that night. And I think、uh, that was the first time I cried for her. At that time, in order to make a living, she was working in two restaurants. Um, so during the day, she 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 worked in the restaurant, and after the work, she came back and she she started to playing with food to to have this、uh, binge eating,、uh, and then to vomit. That happened almost every day, and it was a quite a shock to see. After coming to the United States. She had been caught up in this eating disorder behavior. She never really had a chance to travel. So I said, "Okay, let's travel together." So she quit her job, and that was a summer holiday. So we we went on the road, um, in her small car. So we went to see the Niagara Falls, and we 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 went to uh Washington. Uh, D.C. Uh, to hang out in the museum, and then New York. We also went to、uh, South, to Atlanta, also to to South Carolina.、Uh, that was the first place she landed with my mother. And、uh, during the trip,、uh, when we、uh, slept, you know, together, and、uh, she often, you know, lied. Uh, her head on my shoulder, you know, just like a little girl. And suddenly, I had this、uh, kind of a motherly love, and、uh, and I I just feel I really want want her to 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 become happier and to become stronger. So that was the first trip, and she, indeed, she became so hopeful for life. Uh, so at the end, I I had to come back to Canada, and she decided to move back to South Carolina because she wanted to resume her school there. So we we made all this beautiful plan, and we parted. And then the second time、uh, I met her, that was、uh, almost three years later.、Uh, that was in two thousand one. I went to South Carolina to attend her graduation ceremony, and、uh, when I saw her, I was surprised that she became even more skinnier. And I went to her her place, and the same,、um, the mattress was on the floor, and the kitchen was covered by cooking oil. And、uh, and I found more. Like a、uh, scars on her hand, and、uh, one of her teeth were already、uh, rotten because of the vomiting. And、uh, during that time, I started to use a video to to record her life, and we had a very long conversation uh, uh, about her childhood、uh, and her frustration. Tuition all、uh, during the growing up, 
and her suffering, uh, her struggle with uh, with the eating disorder, and what this behavior really about. We had a very very open conversation in front of camera, uh, and the one clip actually was used in the actual film. At the and then we went on a trip again. Uh, before I came back to Canada, she cried and begging me to uh, to stay. Uh, she constantly said, "I'm scared," and she told me that the the struggle has become so deep so to the point that sometimes she started thinking of to end her life. <clears throat> so after that trip, I. I decided uh, she she couldn't live alone anymore any longer, and we had to live together. Uh, so, at the beginning of two thousand two, she drove her little car across uh, United States and uh, came to Vancouver. And the original idea actually that uh, she. Uh, she would go to the Seattle to find a job so we could live closer. But after she entered my apartment, she couldn't leave it anymore. And I remember the first night she arrived. So we had a mattress in my bedroom. She was very happy <laughs> lying on the, on the mattress and said, oh, finally. I have a family now. <laughs> I remember I said that that was the most comfortable, comfortable bed I've ever had. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And then I wanted to help her. But once we really start living together, I really got to know what eating disorder is. And it was very, very tough. Mm. I also decided to, to quit uh, UBC uh, because I, I feel that uh, the whole program wasn't anything I want, like the degree. It, I want nothing about that. I also went through the, the divorce. That also became a very difficult time for me. So we both together went to China briefly uh, and after I finished my divorce, we came back together. And then we went on another on the third trip together. So we drove uh, all the way uh, to the to Inuit. Um, wow. And uh, that was amazing trip. It's a it's first time I really got to see the vast, beautiful landscape in Canada. Uh, we made friends with um, with the First Nations and uh, uh, with a lot of uh, uh, young people who also travel around like us, uh, and to really had a deeper understanding of the culture, especially up north there. Um, and uh, we we actually started talking about the film, making a film during the trip. And uh, after came back, we thought, okay, so maybe we should make the film together. And the film should be 
a story about us. Yeah, that's amazing. It seems like a lot of things that happened in your life uh, just made that domino effect to lead both of you to make this film together. And all of this was a natural you know, trust-building process. Um, so I, I can really appreciate that it's a, such an important film um, in your life and also influenced many other people. Uh, actually, making the film to me is kind of a challenge because I've been hiding myself uh, from everyone, hiding myself, hiding real me, hiding my illness beside my family member, know of my friends or know of other people, know about it. Uh, I still remember a lot of time that when we having dinner in a restaurant or when we have gathering with friends, uh, I don't eat. I didn't eat. And of course, all the friends was just try to help me eat more and just sometimes make some jokes. But at that time, it kind of really uh, made me uncomfortable. So actually making this film basically to me is that I have to open myself, open my illness, open the darkest side of me mm -hmm. to everyone, not even my friends, but to the people who watch the film. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, when we're making this decision, it's very hard for me. But at that time, I know that I've been trying to survive for more than 10, 15 years. And I successfully survived, but wasn't happy and wasn't healthy. Um, so I don't know what I can do to continue leave. So I think at that time to me, this is one opportunity for me to do something meaningful. And maybe for the people who struggles with the same issue, possible watch the film can give them some help or give them some courage to continue leave. At that time, my only hope was my sister. And uh, she's been taking care of me for a long time. And even throughout, I was in South Carolina, we were not live together. But she was the one that really kept me alive through the phone calls, through the emails that keep encouraging me to stay alive and to see the beauty of the world. And I think that's the most important reason that a few times I try to kill myself, never successful, because I haven't given up yet. So I think when we were living together and when we're talking about making this film, I think for, for me, it's an opportunity to stay alive and possible can help me overcome my own problem. And 
possible healing from that. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you took that courage to come to that world of visibility and wanting to help other folks um, suffering from the same causes and uh, conditions. Yeah, you, you made actually a fiction uh, with a very strong uh, documentary element. You uh, played the character Ping, who suffers from eating disorders, and you even wrote what Ping says as a writer. Uh, that's a great accomplishment as an artist and working on the film for the first time. Um, is the character's relationship to food um, actually very similar to that of yours as well? Uh, first of all, uh, most of the story in the movie are based on my real story. Uh, so the relationship with food only worse in real life than on the movie. Uh, it's kind of addiction. So at the beginning, it was, it was just try to lose weight, but by certain point, you couldn't even help yourself. And I still remember at first when I was trying to lose weight, I gave myself my goal is certain pounds. But when I reached to that point, uh, I just wanted to keep going down and down. I basically scale myself million times a day. You know, I drink a sip of water, I would go scale myself, see if I gain any weight. So from the beginning, maybe it's just a relationship with food, but uh, go deep is basically a addiction. So food is just a role play in this disorder. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I want to add more about uh, eating disorders. So the cause, is this distorted, uh, you know, what you, you think your body, the shape of your body and with your, as well with your self identity. So I, normally that's the key trigger. And yeah, uh, yeah. there's always this blame uh, or criticism on the media, uh, you know, the thing body shape, the ideal body shape shown in the media and how that influence people's way of looking at the, themselves. Uh, yeah, uh, now the time social media play a huge role. Uh, but I think in general, all medias play a big role affecting, especially affecting young, younger generation. What they see on media now more like a social media is what they believe. I still remember back then when I first came to North America. At that time, I had no idea what eating disorder was. But uh, on the TV commercials, it's kind of make me feel confused. So one commercial is McDonald's food or ice cream. Next commercial would be a diet program. And then next commercial, would be some fashion models uh, for some clothing 
uh, brand. So all this kind of mixed image is one of the very confusing factor for young people. They don't know what they've been taught. Uh, and also eating disorder is one of the mental illness that has the highest death rate because of the uh, lack of nu- nutrition. So some of the deaths come from the failure of a heart. I remember after Jie came to live with me, many, many times, especially in the morning, she woke up and she would feel the, the weak of her heartbeat. And uh, she always said to me, oh, I, I feel my heart cannot beat anymore. So once the symptom developed into addiction, it's very dangerous. I want to talk a little bit about Erso Ming, uh, who's the older sister character in this film, and who just begins living with younger sister Ping, uh, tries hard to help her sister and saves her from the suffering, just as you did in your real life. Uh, Ming studies about anorexia. Let's talk about uh, this scene that seems to hold a big significance for the entire film. Um, So in this film later, uh, Ming sees a poster distributed by an eating disorder support group and passes that on to her sister. But she later discovers that the group was a pro-anorexia cult. And in as you mentioned before about the whole media's influence in this uh, globalized uh, eating disorder, mental illness, um, do you actually um, simulate the effort and frustration you experienced while you were researching and studying this disorder? Uh, in a way it is, but also in a way that uh, uh, that also shows my understanding of this problem. Um, so during the whole process of research, I encountered one book called uh, Fasting Girls, The History of Anorexia. In the book, she traced uh, to a girl um, who died uh, of eat, eating the d- disorder in 1895. Um, and there's an image of this girl. Um, and then I found her image in, in a couple of a pro-eating disorder website group. And and those groups uh, were organized by these girls. They pray to her as well as uh, other, some other images. And they create this, uh, uh, they call it a inspiration uh, photo. Uh, and uh, they claimed and uh, to be an eating disorder uh, is a lifestyle and uh, this, this, it needs a courage because it's a courage that you to be yourself. In the film, uh, Ping cries out, I have nothing 
but anorexia life. All these years, it's been the only thing that gives me security. It's like my companion. Without it, I won't know how to go on living. That's the real quote from Jie in real life. And she asked me, what will I be if I don't have this eating disorder? So then I realized that it's really become their identity. And I think in life, we all need identity to associate. It was very compelling a moment that I also remember from the film. Uh, Ping was talking about, you know, without it, I'm just nothing or nobody. The way I felt um, was that you really discovered each other through this uh, filmmaking process and uh, within the film, the character Ming and Ping discovers uh, one another as well. So I wonder, um, did this filmmaking process change your relationship to uh, yourself and with each other? Yeah, uh, I don't really think making this film changed our relationship, but I think since Ying came to North America, mm -hmm. our relationship already changed. Because one thing I've never even told Ying, and I've never told my mom either, but my mom is a really independent woman, and her childhood never experienced the mother love in her life. So she never able to give us the normal mother love. She loved us. I know she loved us to death, but... When you're a kid, those kind of mother love, we've never experienced from my mom. Um, when we both in North America and through all the phone calls, emails, from my sister's voice, I just felt that the love that I've never had before, I become more closer to her than even my mom. And of course, I trust her for anything yeah like how the film helped you to to really start it want to recover you know at the before making the film you hesitate to recover right because you don't know who you will be yeah i think uh just as you guys discovered uh, discussed earlier that when i was really deep in the eating disorder I just really felt, just like in the film, without it, I really don't know what I can do because I basically hiding myself from anything. I think now when I say it, maybe to you guys, it's kind of like a joke, but I came here pretty early in 1993 as in South Carolina, all the people around me were top students from China. So among all those Chinese friends, 
make me feel that I also want to do something, make me make my, my country proud. I think now nobody even think that, but at that time I go, I went to school and I tried my best to be the top student in the class, and I have those kind of patriotic type of thinking that I want to make people think Chinese people are hardworking and great people. So that's my thought for going to school. And of course, I have to work to support myself. But beside that, inside of me is really empty. I don't really know what else I can do, uh, really who I was. But from making this film, um, through all the process, I got a lot of trust from my sister, even though I know at that time, for my situation, nobody would trust me. But my sister trusts me with a lot of work, uh, trust me, handle something on myself. So those really start building my self-confidence. One time that after a film was made and uh, our film accepted for one of the very small uh, film festival in Georgia. She trusted me enough to let me go to the film festival, represent our film. That's a really great encouragement for me to give myself credit and make myself feel that I can do something other than just struggle inside of the eating disorder. Uh, I think that's a really first step for me to start recovering from eating disorder. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that healing uh, journey and also very um, personal story uh, about the motivation you had um, as a new immigrant and international student and the pressure you went through um, that makes me also think about um, Ying's recent film uh, from making this film Ying often discuss very complex connections between immigration and mental health challenges and um, in this your recent documentary film the world is bright uh, you more extensively brings up those kind of issues through a story about a new immigrant and his family's legal and emotional battles within the more of a Canadian immigration system and uh, racism that is also distinctly uh, different from uh, uh, United States, Jojo. Um, in Sisters, both characters go through their own challenges as new immigrants as well. So do you both think immigration uh, experience can make eating disorders worse? For me, I think the homesick culture shocking, yeah. culture difference, I think that could make it worse. So your desire to be seen by the um, new society in a specific way and with your perfectionism, you want it to be doing very well, achieving very well and being perfect. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm more like that. But back then, I, I guess for me, it's like 
now cultural difference is not huge for the new immigrant now. But when I came to U.S., that was early 1990s. Um, I wasn't a good student when I was in school, and I hate hard memories. So, of course, my English was terrible before I came to the U.S., especially when I landed in South Carolina, barely any Asian or Chinese people there. So I had a very hard time to communicate with people. Mm -hmm. One of the torture I gave myself is that I spend day and night just sit there learning English. So that's basically just have something, same as not eating or just torture myself. And um, away from family, away from relatives, especially back then, if I want to make a phone call to China, that's two US dollars per minute. Not like now we can get free call or get on uh, WeChat or all kind of platform. But if we write letter, it would be a month. You can get a return letter from China. I think that's all the cost for me to just make the eating disorder even worse. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for sharing those memories and I don't want you to re-traumatize yourself but you as an artist making art and are so talking about art and sharing your life I, I admire that courage and um, that makes me wonder when you uh, shared this film with your community back home and um, you know, in, in the States and Canada what was the response? When we almost finished editing the film, I just took a trip to Tibet, just a backpack and just by myself, just took the train, went to Tibet. I had a great time. During that time, my sister was in Beijing and there was a TV station, CCTV, I think, interviewed my sister about this film. And it played on the TV uh, when we were still in China. And I got a tons of my friends texting me and calling me and message me, said that at first I was really scared. I was really scared of the people I know or my childhood friend know as deep as the film was talking about of my life. But my relatives and my friends reach out and all the positive feedback and encouragement. So that's one thing really keep me going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad um, you regained your community and um, they were really supportive of you. Yeah, um, I was a lucky one that I surround with the lovely people and supportive people. Yeah, I'm really lucky. <laughs> um, Ying, do you want to add anything about immigration and mental health? Um, I wasn't really aware of this uh, this connection uh, while making sisters, um, but just based on the personal experience, 
after coming here, the uh, isolation, the the stress, and then I became more and uh, understanding of her situation. Uh, it's not directly related to whether you can speak the language or not. It's more like you are out of your own life circle. So whether you can find a new belongings in this new place. And also particularly for, uh, for young people from Asia, uh, it was the same before it uh, even more now it's a uh, international students will always carry this uh, higher expectation from our uh, families, like what Shiming had. And then another thing is the family support. But for people who don't have this uh, uh, network support, it's basically you are struggling on your own. And this support is not only that, okay, uh, someone tell you, you should go to see doctor or you should uh, eat your pill. It's this caring, this is a uh, mm, loving or the environment that you can relax. So that's why when Jojo came back to China, even she still have this problem, but every time she came back to China, she would uh, actually become better. Like uh, her whole mental illness uh, situation would become better. Same with Shiming. And uh, after he went back to China twice, he became hopeful. That's why the second time he wanted to come, come back to Canada to restart life because he regained some strength from that uh, familiar environment. But then after coming here, they both, Jojo and Shiming, they both lost that support again. And then their mental uh, illness or relapse of this connection is uh, so making the world is bright. There's something about that um, disappointment uh, that occurs when those people come back uh, to the culture and the big presence of that um, power dynamic that is not balanced, um, not equal. And then there's something about that illusion of freedom that people experience. It makes me uh, think about your struggle um, between two cultures in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in this film, it was so much fun to watch this scene. Beautiful. Beautiful. Unbelievable. Ming, who appeared to be very controlled and confident about herself at first, became profoundly confused and troubled. So, uh, on the one hand, trouble was worsened by this witnessing her sister, but uh, on the other hand, her experience of the Western culture exacerbated her confusions. So, what do you want to express or communicate with the audience through this drunken dance scene? During that time, I, I quit UBC and uh, uh, I quit uh, this uh, um, model uh, family life. Uh, so basically, I quit everything I had as a uh, socially accepted 
person. And then, then I really become uh, self-doubting. So in the role of me, I put a lot of uh, self-doubt, self-questioning, uh, and then the criticism of all this social value I carried with me. So there's a two dancing sequence in the film. And one is uh, uh, they were listening to a classical uh, Chinese music uh, played by Gu Qin. The music came from Gu Qin is considered the highest for the Chinese uh, uh, traditional like uh, intellectuals that represent the highest uh, standard uh, of art as well as a moral in Chinese culture. And the Ming actually expressed the how much influence he had. It doesn't matter if she is a woman. It's just like my mom and my grandmom, they were all for their whole life, they try to lead to that model. I grew up with this kind of education. And then at that time, I, I definitely, I, I seriously questioned that. And then in the second uh, dancing se sequence, that was a song uh, we sang uh, during the Tiananmen movement because I was uh, in the university. I was, uh, I was uh, among the students protesting uh, on the square to fight for uh, democracy. And uh, the version I played in the, I used in the film um, was from the very early, uh, a, a famous uh, uh, rock band uh, in China, right, uh, right after the Tiananmen movement. And uh, the band name is called uh, Tang Dynasty. So this is their first rock and roll version of this famous revolutionary song. Before the dancing, Ping said, we're in a free world already. Uh, where can we, can we escape? So it is in a way to really show the, the disillusion, but at the same time, it's not directly target the Western culture. It doesn't matter in Western culture or Eastern culture. What I was aware was this uh, constant struggle between an individual and the dominating value system. And uh, what's real freedom? What's liberation really mean? Also the transformation of Ming in this film from so confident to then uh, to then become so confused. I also want to show the vulnerability of everyone because we are in this constant struggle and uh, everyone, we are on this uh, continuum, right? That's, uh, those are great questions. And uh, yeah, that makes me uh, think about another scene that I really liked. Uh, this ping silent drum playing scene where ping imitates drumming motion without beating the drum after her neighbor complains about her joyful drumming in this apartment. And I felt that there's a, something about the importance of creative expression and 
tension between that and social expectations or censorship. So each of you, well, especially Jojo, <laughs> do you feel like you expressed everything you wanted to express in this film? Um, yeah, I think mostly. But I think when we were making this film, I was still in the very early age of recovery mm -hmm. from eating disorder. Of course, a lot of things happened after the film that make me healthy and happy now. So the film wasn't able to include. <laughs> but yeah, for that, that period of time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It always takes time. I, I, I think you also had many uh, talkbacks and community gatherings where you wanted to really help the community members who are struggling. Um, so yeah. did the experience um, as a whole shift your attitude towards the world? Can I, your openness? Just, uh, yes, I think that's really the first step that I open myself to the world about this pro problem. So I think after that, I met a few people that had, had light symptoms, not as serious as I was. So I think after the, the making the film, I was able to openly tell them my experience. Hopefully that would be the help for them as well. Um, do you have uh, something you want to say to someone who is suffering from eating disorder right in this moment? I think I learned the most is that, first of all, never give up on yourself. Um, don't listen to anybody tell you what you should be. Just try to be yourself. Doesn't matter if you are fat, you are thin, you're tall, you're short, you're good looking, or you may not that good looking. But who you are is the best. Thank you so much. Yeah, so after we finished the film, uh, we had a public screening um, in May 2005 uh, with another documentary. Uh, the, the theme, of the screening uh, is the two films on the body of Chinese women. Uh, the, the other documentary uh, is also made by a Chinese Canadian filmmaker. Uh, it's about food bending. In a way, it's a historical pain. Um, and the, the film was uh, completely uh, financed by the same savings from me and my sister. So, I think we expressed everything we want to express and uh, we, we didn't try to please anybody. But after making the film, uh, both me and my sister, we, we actually started also doing some volunteers in the uh, local mental health organizations. Uh, and uh, I got to know the scope of this problem in the community. But also I feel um, making this film, really I learned the healing power of uh, art creation. But also I know the change can, cannot happen after one artwork or after one film. It's a long process. She also went through many relapse. 
But if you continue just uh, pushing forward and uh, no matter what, as Jay said, not to give up, eventually change will happen. And uh, it's actually from the 10 years working for Simulution, I really learned that. Yeah, life continues and relationship continues. <laughs> yeah, it was such a pleasure and uh, yeah, my privilege to chat with you both. Um, and thank you so much. I wish we have more time. For more information about entanglement and the list of resources for information mentioned in this episode, including links to learn more about the film Sisters and Ying's recent documentary film The World is Bright that features the story of Xuming, and more, please visit www.cinevolutionmedia.com podcast. In the next episode of Entanglement, we'll hear from an all-Asian drag family, the House of Rice. Three members from the house, Van Dang, drag name Shady Or, Kendall Yan, drag name Made in China, and Romy Kim, drag name Skim. They talk about representation, racism, and redressing of their identities. This episode was lead produced by Mina Lee with assistance from Yanju Chang and Rebecca Wang. Editing and music by Lewa. Entanglement is produced by Cinevolution Media Arts Society and made possible with funding support from the Government of British Columbia. Thank you for listening. <laughs>